0: Howdy folks, welcome to Footnotes in the Conversation, where we provide a small footnote to a thinker whose name gets thrown around in modern discourse. I'll tell you when and where they live, who they were, and a few important things about their life. Then I'll give some context to their ideas. Who are they responding to? What parts of their culture are they interacting with? After that, I'll survey the biggest pieces of their thoughts. What fields of study were they interested in? How do they develop and deliver their ideas? And what are the most important takeaways from their work? This episode, we're looking at Adam Smith. Adam Smith was born in Kirkady, in Fife, Scotland, in 1723, to the widowed Margaret Douglas Smith. His father had died just two months before his birth. While we don't know much of his younger years, we do know that he had a close relationship with his mother, who encouraged him to pursue academics. At age 14, he was sent to the University of Glasgow to study moral philosophy. After this, he was given a scholarship to study at Balliol College in Oxford. He found Oxford to be intellectually stifling, and that the professors had, quote, given up altogether the pretense of teaching, end quote. After this time, in 1748, he began teaching at the University of Edinburgh. Two years later, he would meet David Hume, and the two shared a close intellectual bond as fellows in the Scottish Enlightenment. Soon after, he would become the head of moral philosophy in the University of Glasgow, the same one which he had learned at. He spent 13 years here in academic, which were, quote, by far the most useful and therefore happiest, quote, time in his life. In this time, he published The Theory of Moral Sentiments, and that, alongside his lectures, would give him fame. It is at this time that he diverted less to moral philosophy and more on economics and jurisprudence in his lectures. After these 13 years, he became a tutor for a wealthy British politician's son. He was to tour Europe together and educate Henry Scott. He was introduced to the French Physiocracy School, which he thought had the best explanation out there in his time 4. How nations garnered wealth and what was the most important pieces of that wealth. After his brother's death, Smith returned home and lived with his mother as he wrote his magnum opus, The Wealth of Nations. He died in 1790 after a painful illness and asked that any of his work, unsuitable for publishing, be burned. This magnum opus, The Wealth of Nations, would go on to redefine economics as understood in the West. Adam Smith is responding in large part to mercantilism which is the idea that a nation is playing a zero-sum game with others, that is, as one loses, another gains, and as another gains, one loses, and and that gold and silver are the best method of analyzing and understanding a nation's wealth. As said before, Smith thought that the school of physiocracy had gotten it best when they proposed that land was actually a better method for understanding the wealth of a nation. He, however, proposed a third option which would become the prevailing theory soon after his death, which is the labor theory of value. That is, a nation's wealth can be understood through their conglomerate of useful labor. This, alongside his idea of the invisible hand, would be the two prevailing themes of Wealth of Nations. The invisible hand is that as a private actor in a market works towards their own good, they're also benefiting the common interest of the community. That is, by working for their own prosperity, they're also increasing the prosperity of the community that they're within, that is, the nation that they're in. Thus, there is an invisible hand that guides an individual actor towards a communal good as they pursue their own private good. He was sometimes skeptical of self-interest as the primary motivator, but this was earlier on in his work, in the theory of moral sentiment. He also warned of monopolies and a business-dominated political system, and suggested that businesses should never be given specific protections by the government. He is described as having, quote-unquote, the most important substantive proposition in all economics, quote, by George Steigler. His labor theory would go on to be used by all classical economists, and even those that would disagree with him, like Marxian economists, would still approve of this labor theory of value. Adam Smith's effects on the world of economics cannot be understated. He redefined how nations view their own wealth in the Western world. During the Industrial Revolution, Britain would go on to adapt his own model, and soon after, it would become the understood standard. He paved the way for all of classical economics, and a conversation on the Western economic world cannot be complete without including Adam Smith's name. Well, folks, that has been a footnote in the conversation on Adam Smith. Take care.